Hey everyone, welcome to episode 99, Failing Forward. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, how are we on episode 99? What is going on? Do you know what that means? That means next week will be episode triple digits. When I was nine years old, my sisters who were older than me used to make so much fun of me. They're like, oh, you're not in double digits. You're not in double digits one day. And then guess what? I got to double digits. And I was like, wah, wah, wah. This is so anticlimactic. What was I so excited about? So I do have some surprises coming up in the hundreds. So you have to stay tuned. And today we're going to talk about something that I don't think is talked about enough. If you Google failing, it doesn't come up very often. We're taught as kids to get the straight A's, go for A's and B's, get the honor roll, do all the things, try your best, forget the rest, but we're not ever talking about failure. As a child, it comes very natural when it comes to failing because think about when you were a kid, all the things that came natural and you failed first, like walking. You start walking and then you fall and you fall and you fall and no kid says, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna give up on this walking. But for some reason, when we're 25 and above, the brain stops growing because it wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain and be efficient. It wants to coast. It's like, yeah, I'm not really into that failing anymore. It kind of hurts when I fall. Kind of hurts when I fail. So I'm just going to stop. Now, we couldn't do that when we were learning to walk, ride our bike, learn video games, learn math facts, learn sports, whatever it was. When you look at a child, they never sort of look at something as like, "Mm, I don't want to try that because I'm going to have to fail. But we just know inherently that failing is part of the process. You fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. And all of a sudden, then you're doing the Frankenstein walk where you're kind of like, whoa. And then you're walking a little bit with more stability. And then even when Grady was learning to walk and he was a full-on walker, the amount of times that boy fell was out of control. I think his head was not in proportion to his body. So he had like a Charlie Brown head and he's kind of grown into his head. But when he was younger, it was like his center of gravity was so off that he would just randomly fall. And it wasn't even a tricky place where he was walking. It was literally down the hall. So we know that when we're kids and it's ingrained in who we are. And then as we get older, we start to get conditioned that we have to be perfect. We have to get the straight A's. And sometimes you might have the message that you have to be perfect because you don't want to rock the boat or you want to feel good about yourself and you're getting lots of praise and accolades because you do get the straight A's or you're the all-star athlete or you're the first seat in band or whatever it is. It starts to ingrain in your brain like, ooh, the success feels really good. So 25 and older, we kind of forget that that's part of the process. This podcast and all the other ones are not only what I want to teach you, but also what I want you to learn, but what I want you to unlearn as well. And I don't know if you've ever seen The Success Iceberg. It's one of my favorite illustrations to show you and show me and show all of us when we're adults. You see the top of the success, you see the success iceberg, and you see the ice on top of the water, but we don't actually see what's underneath that iceberg. The person who had the success in whatever area it is, they get to know it and feel it. But from the outside in, you forget that other people have to go through all the things that are underneath that success iceberg, like persistence, failure, sacrifice, disappointment, discipline, hard work, dedication, late nights, criticism, risks, hard work, all that goes underneath the success iceberg. 
And we know it intellectually, but we look at other people. And that's why I talked about comparison as the thief of joy. And we actually forget when it comes to other people. We look at their life. We look at their social media. We look at their 50-50. And we don't know about the other 50% that comes underneath it. And if you Google how to succeed, there are millions and trillions of articles and videos and all the tricks. And I want to normalize failure today. I want to normalize it for you, whatever you're going for in your life, whatever goals you have. And I also want to normalize it for kids. Even though it wasn't normalized for you or for us as kids, we knew it inherently. And then it's almost like we forgot about it. When you Google how to fail, there are not a lot of articles. There are not a lot of books. There are not a lot of videos on how to fail forward. And I've never even heard the term fail forward until a couple of years ago. And it helped me transition my thinking about failing because I'm just like you. I want to get the A's and I want to be perfect. I want everybody to like me and I want to have no problems and no stress. And then I woke up to like, wait, that's not part of the human experience. When we fail, the brain feels yucky. We feel like a failure. We start to talk badly to ourselves. And so when we know that our brain is wired to protect us, just like Maggie protects us when the FedEx, Amazon, UPS, USPS people come to the door, that's our ego, that's fear, that's a lower part of our brain. Now the ego can be called the primitive brain, the monkey mind, the inner child, the unconscious. It's called a lot of different things, but it's all the same. It's the part of our brain, the primitive part that is out there to protect us. The brain thinks it's doing its job, so it goes to do the scary thing. And then it says, whoa, 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 whoa. We felt failure before. Remember, if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, which I love because it normalizes emotions for the kids, but also for us, it helps us understand what's going on in our brain. So the alarm bells start going off like, whoa, 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 you're not gonna go after that goal because you will fail. Remember we failed before? And it uses the past as evidence of why we're not going to succeed. So then we might start to play small. We might not go for the workout. We might not read the book. We might not start the business. We might not do the podcast for two years. Hello, because my brain alarm bells were going off over and over and over. And people always tell me, they say, once I feel confident, then I'll do it. But the confidence is built when we build competence. Brooke Castillo teaches that. And the only way to build competence is through practice. It's through trial and error, just like my kids playing sports. Lily loves volleyball. Grady loves baseball. So I have watched the progression of them playing these sports over a couple of years. And what do they do two or three times a week before their matches, before their games? They practice, practice, practice. And what do they do during practice? They fail forward all the time. Lily's been working on her serve. When she first started, she couldn't get her underhand serve over. Then she finally, she practiced and practiced in the backyard, in her room, at practice. Her coach helped her. And then she finally got it over consistently. And you think, oh, Eureka, we have arrived. No, 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 because then it's the overhand serve. So then she works on the overhand serve. She works on the overhand serve. Same process. Rinse, repeat, fail forward, fail forward. Out of 100, she might get five over. She keeps practicing. Oh, look, she's got the overhand serve over. Look at that. Progression, progression. We all did this at kids for different things. I did it with soccer. David did it with baseball or with our grades or with keeping our room clean. Then she gets overhand serve. Everything's going great. All right, she gets it 90% of the time. Let's go. You've arrived. Uh-uh. She moves up to the next level. Guess what they do there? They use a heavier volleyball. Oh, rinse, repeat, start all over. Just like when she was starting to learn how to do her underhand serve. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, fail forward, fail forward, fail forward. Oh, look, we got it. Oh, look, we got it 90% of the time. Now we need to do a jump serve. Wait, what? I thought we were, no, it's always an evolving. It's always growing. It's always going. Just like Grady doing T-ball. It'd be sitting on the T, swing, miss, swing, miss, swing, hit. Oh, I'm going to keep doing that. Swing, miss, swing, miss, swing, hit. Then finally, it's more like swing, hit, swing, hit, 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 over and over and over. Then he's getting 90% of the time. Then he moves up to the next age group. What happens there? 
It's coach pitch. Okay, so we're coaches pitching now. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a hit. Ooh, the body remembers. Oh, what's that all about? That felt kind of fun. Let's do that again. Swing, miss, swing, miss, swing, miss. Swing, hit, hit. Oh, look at this. And then it rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And then all of a sudden, couple years, couple seasons of that, right before he's about to go to kid pitch, he starts to get him 90% of the hits. Look at that. Then he goes to kid pitch. He moves up to the next age group. He never comes home and says, mom, I'm a failure because I can't hit the ball. David said, because he's a big baseball guy and he used to play for the Cubs in the minor league. He said that if you hit one out of three baseballs, you're in the hall of fame. I was like, wait, what? He says, yeah, a 333, that's an amazing average. You get in the hall of fame. I was like, whoa, that's unbelievable. So we have to lean into the failure versus running away from it. And Sonny Smith says, discomfort is the currency of our dreams. Whatever you're going after, whatever that dream is, whatever that little whisper in your brain is, the way to get to whatever that is that's been pulling on you, it's almost like a toddler when they pull on your leg and they pull on your skirt. Whatever that dream is, whatever that goal is, you have to fail a lot first. The brain doesn't like that though. The brain likes certainty. The brain likes to know if we go after this, we're going to succeed, right, Kelly? And then you tell the brain, no, we're actually gonna have to fail a lot. We're gonna have to swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss a lot first. Then we might start getting some hits, but the failure never goes away. That means we're doing something right. The brain's like, "Uh uh-uh, not gonna do it. And people say, well, you could tell me I can do anything I want. I can go be an NBA basketball player. And I always come back with, well, is that a dream of yours? Is that a goal of yours? Is that something that you've always wanted to do? And they're like, well, no, but I'm just proving the point that not anything's possible. But the whisper wouldn't be there unless it was possible. So we have to listen to the whispers and then it gets louder and louder and louder. And I was listening to some work by Ramit Sativ and Brooke talks about him a lot. She turned me on to him. And he says he likes to have five epic fails per month and have a 10% return rate on his products. And I was like, what? Why would you want people returning your things? Because when they return his products, he asks, what didn't you like? Tell me all the things. It's like trial and error, trial and error. And then he can go refine that, whatever that was. And it just gets better and up level, up level, up level. And the swing gets better, the serve gets better. Whatever you're going after just gets stronger and more accurate. When you look at failing and you use it as evidence of how to grow into more of who you need to be and want to be and evolve into that place, but not from lack, but from a place of abundance, then you don't get caught in that discomfort, that shame, disappointment, regret, I shouldn't have tried cycle. Because what most people do and what I tend to do too when I'm going after a goal is I am so afraid of failure, so I don't do anything and then that's where I fail because I don't even show up. It's like having a party. I'm so afraid I'm going to mess up at the party so I don't go to the party at all. Most times when people don't show up for whatever that goal or dream is, it's because underlying all of it, underneath all of that is the inner voice. Because you have the whisper of like, I want to go do that thing. But then the whisper of there's something wrong with me. It's easier for everybody else. Why bother? My dad was right. My mom was right. I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. It's not worth it. This is too hard. And then we give up and quit. But you know, I just started doing the workout called Insanity, which is literally the hardest workout I've ever done in my life. And I did it in 2013. And I thought, huh, feel a little nostalgic for Shanti. I want to go back to him because it was so life-changing to do 60 days and have a completely different mindset, completely different relationship with my body, and just such inner pride from finishing such a hard workout. So if you want to do that with me, send me an email that says insane. I want to be insane with you. He has longer versions and he also has a 30-minute version, which is also amazing. And so Sean T talks about when he had classes when he first started, he's like my favorite 
trainer on the planet. When he first started at his gym, he would only have a couple people in his class. He'd have three or four people and he'd be, geez, why in the world do I only have three or four people? And then had the eureka moment, like, wait a minute, I need to love on these three or four people. I need to pretend that these three or four people are three to 400 people. I need to give them everything I have. Imagine being one of those three or four people and he's saying, oh, this is it? You're all I got? Are you serious? But that's sometimes what we do with our goal. People tell me all the time, Kelly, I've only lost three pounds. It's mostly water weight. I'm like, that's like not appreciating the three people that are in Shanti's class. So he'd go into that workout and he would give so much attention to the three or four people. At first, he was disappointed that there weren't more people signed up. And then he had a mindset shift like, wait a minute, I need to help these three or four people. And then over time, those three or four people would go home and say, oh my goodness, I just had the most amazing workout class. You wouldn't even believe the results I'm getting, the way I feel, the attention I got, the love I felt afterwards, the love I have for myself afterwards. And then those three or four people would tell three or four people. And then the next class, there's six to eight people. And then he would do the same thing. His brain would say, oh, I wish there was 50 because it was max 50 of the class. And then he'd have six to eight. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go love on those six to eight people because guess what? They showed up. So I'm going to love on them. So many people say, well, I want to grow my following on Instagram and Facebook and I want to help more people. And I always come back with, well, help the people that are following you now, that you're serving now. And Sean did that. And then all of a sudden the class would max out to 50 waiting list only. People would get there an hour early just to sign up for the class. Then he had to add more classes. And so that's compound effect of failing forward. And if he would have just said, oh, and there's only three or four people in this first class and then done it halfway and only trained them halfway, he probably would have had three or four people for a long time. But he failed forward over and over and over and didn't come from failure of this something's gone wrong. He's like, whoa, something's gone terribly right because I have three or four people to help. And when you go to do that thing, your brain is gonna spin in overwhelming confusion and say all those things I just said, I'm not good enough, no one likes me, my dad was right, there's something wrong with me, everyone else is more ahead of me than me, why should I bother, it's not worth it, this is too hard. Because the brain likes to spin in overwhelming confusion, so it will get really confused about the right program to do, or the right meal plan, or the right life coach school to go to, or the right book publisher to use, or the right WordPress to use if we're starting a blog. Or whatever that thing is, the brain starts to set off panic alarms. And what I'm encouraging you to do is to run into those alarms, running into the burning building, saying to the brain, brain, this is how we grow. This is how we evolve. This is how we get all the things we want. Just gently calm it down. I always like to tell my brain, our brain is growing doing this. This is a good thing. I love Maria Forleo's example where she says, everything is figure outable. So you just tell the brain, everything is figure outable. And these flares and these smoke screens will go up of failure to avoid success, but that's when you lean into that, like, oh, this is part of the success iceberg. This is what Kelly was talking about. Because Mel Robbins says that failure is meant to be pursued. That means you haven't given up. The only thing that can help you fail is to give up because people will say, well, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. So they don't show up at all. And in that is where they fail. And she says, dreams are personal and so are the obstacles. So it's like someone who wants to have a boyfriend and I say, okay, you have to go on a hundred dates. Whoa, 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 that's a lot of failure. I'm gonna fail 99 times before I find a match. And I say, well, what if you sat on your couch? Are you gonna find a match that way? So you can see it in other contexts. You can see it in your children. I haven't spent a lot of time with Grady and his math. David kind of handles that. And all of a sudden he's doing all this tricky math. I'm like, how did this happen? because I didn't really watch the involvement of it all. And he's like, he's been doing this for ages. Or like I look at his spelling list from the beginning of the year versus now. He has words on there like resurrection, Christianity. At the beginning of the year, it was words like helping, friendly. And now he has words that when he's reading them back to me, I have to look at the list to make sure he's getting the words right. Versus just doing it in the car. Yeah, spell helping, Grady. Now I'm like, uh, extraordinary. Let me look at that while you're saying that. 
extraordinary. But as he grows, so does his list for spelling or his baseball. Everything is constantly evolving with him. So I know it's hard to lean into failure. I know it's hard to teach your kids how to fail. But just for a little bit, I want you to celebrate your kids' failures. I want you to look at the papers that come home. And instead of looking at the ones that they got wrong and saying, oh, why'd you get that one wrong? We studied that for so long. I want you to lean into that and say, that is amazing you missed that. That is amazing you got that wrong because now I can help you. And you kind of take the sting out of the failure. Grady brings his work home on Fridays. It's a whole packet of grades, just all the papers that he did for the week. And I'm like, there better be some 60s and 70s in there. So daddy and I have a job to do. Otherwise, you're taking our job away. He's like, mommy, I know you're using reverse biology on me, which he really means reverse psychology. And I kind of am, but I'm kind of not at the same time because I want to take that stigma away from it where he's not so afraid to fail. And when he has that stigma taken away, that's where he's going to take more risks, not walking on eggshells when he's doing his work and knowing that nothing went wrong if he does because he has a mom, he has a dad, he has a sister, and he has a whole slew of teachers that are going to help him if an area were hard for him versus, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in so much trouble when I come home with the 75 or 64 or whatever it is. I got this concept from Sarah Blakely who invented Spanx. And I love this mindset to teach our kids young to take the stigma away from it because it's literally what we have to do to get any goal is fail a lot because it's so new. Just like walking, riding our bike, doing a video game, even me cleaning my house, I fail every day at that. And then I'm like, oh, that didn't work. Try this. Oh, that didn't work. Try this. Oh, that didn't work. Try this. Oh, that worked a little bit. I'm going to do more of that. I'm not going to do more of that. So I want you to listen to this minute 35 from Sarah Blakely, where she explains it much better what it was like growing up in her family and why she was never afraid of failure. Growing up, my father used to ask my brother and me what we had failed at at the dinner table, which was so interesting, and he'd celebrate it, and he'd actually be disappointed if I didn't have something that I failed at that week. I can remember saying, Dad, Dad, I tried out for this, and I was horrible, and he would actually high-five me and say, congratulations, way to go. And what it did was just reframe my definition of failure. Failure for me became not trying versus the outcome. So many people don't take risks for fear of failure, They don't start the business. They don't create the art they want to create or they don't go try out to be in the play or whatever it is for the fear of failure. And once you redefine that for yourself and realize the failure is just not trying, then life opens up to you in many ways. My dad would encourage me anytime something didn't go the way I expected it to or maybe I got embarrassed by a situation to write down where the hidden gifts were and what I got out of it. And I started realizing in everything there was some amazing nugget that I wouldn't have wanted to pass up. At Spanx, to encourage people to fail, I'm bringing up my failures in front of the team often. So I will stand up and I call them the oops of Spanx. Some of them are the oops throughout the history of Spanx. Some of them can be a recent oops that I did, but I'm always openly talking about it. If you're going to have an oops, part of the beauty of it is twofold. If there's a failure quote or an oops in your life, if you learn from it and if you can laugh about it, then it's all worth it. So I like how she talks about the hidden gifts in failure. There's always gifts. But if we get into that shame spiral, then we never show up. And that is where we fail by not showing up. But if we keep showing up, keep showing up in the arena, keep being vulnerable, we will have people in the cheap seats that will say the things that they're gonna say. But then you can just remind yourself, well, hey, they're not in the arena. I used to do that too when I was outside the arena. Brene Brown talks about that all the time. If you're not willing to get your booty kicked in the arena, then I don't really need your opinion. They'll still come and that's okay. Unless they're in the arena with you and leaning into vulnerability, they're gonna have their judgments and that's okay. 
Because when I wasn't in the arena, I had lots of judgments too. And my judgments never hurt anybody, just like other people's judgments can't hurt you unless we allow them. So I asked you, of course, because you are the most amazing contributors to our podcast. And so I asked you, I said, what is something that when you were younger, you had to fail a lot at to learn or now as an adult? And you came up with so many ideas. There were hundreds of them. So I'm not going to read all hundreds, but I just want to get your mind percolating of how much you had to fail to learn anything new and how you keep having to fail. And you lean into that fail and you don't see it as you're a failure. You see it as that's your way to evolve, get to the next level from go to little leagues, to playing coach pitch, to going to kid pitch, to all of a sudden being the pitcher or Lily with the volleyball, or Michelle says, learning to tie her shoes. For me, I had to take a hundred penalty kicks before I could get a 90% on hitting my penalty kicks. You know how many I missed? Rebecca says, listening and communicating, I'm always failing and getting better. And then I'm failing some more. And then I'm getting a little bit better and tweaking. And Lily said last night, she's like, sometimes you don't listen to me. And I'm like, I know, that's so true. Why do I do that? I'm like thinking about what I'm going to say before I'm listening. And she's like, I know. I'm like, I know. But I don't see that as a failure. I feel that is a way that I'm going to grow and evolve. Michelle says, riding a bike, riding two wheels. I said video games because you know me with Mario Brothers. Expressing feelings in a positive way, Rebecca says. Lindsay says, literally everything. So true. Laura says, spelling. Denise has a lot here. They're so good. Sports, test taking, skateboarding, ice skating, roller skating, walking, eating, sleeping. We all learned how to do those things. Some better than others. The ones that are better, the only difference is that they were consistently practicing. That's the only difference. You know how many times I fell off my skateboard before I could like bring it to a ramp? Are you kidding me? Remember, I was such a tomboy. I was like one of the boys. I was the one with skinned up knees and always at the skateboard ramps, doing tricks, fall, doing tricks, fall, doing tricks. Oh, I did it. Potty training, chores. Michelle says, wiping my butt. Think about golf. How many times do you have to miss the ball before you actually can actually hit it and then to have to hit it straight? I want you to lean into failing instead of running away from failing and realize that failing is something we've done all of our lives. There's nothing to be scared about. We're gonna lean into vulnerability because when you fail, you fail forward into the next level. You can see it with Grady's spelling. You can see it with Lily's volleyball. You can see it with your kids being in school. And instead of how was your day today when they get in the car after school or they come into the living room from virtual school, instead of saying, how was your day? I want you to start asking yourself and asking them, how did you fail today? And they'll look at you like you have seven heads. That's okay. And then you'll go first. I failed big time today. I wasn't watching my records and I lost $7,000. Huge failure, huge mistake. If I keep it to myself and I don't share it, then I start to feel inner shame and shame grows in the dark. But once you bring it to light and you normalize it in your own life because you're older and so you're gonna have bigger fails than your kids who say, I asked someone to be my friend and play on the playground and they said no. So they're leaning into vulnerability. They're leaning into failure and you're teaching it young. So then you take that stigma away, kind of like Sarah Blakely, and then they lean into failure and don't see it as being a bad thing, but they see it as a necessity for growth and involvement. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week on episode 100. What? Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. 
I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.